The heart is a house for love And I've learned that it don't take much to break it Heart is a house for love I wish I could harmonize with myself everybody welcome to ask for candy where we talk about healing self-care love sex relationships and what it takes to be amazing on the daily who i am is candace harper lovecoach.com honey and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy romantic relationships all around the world through self-love soul connections and sweetness now before we get to that don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast ask for candy on anchor itunes spotify wherever you normally download podcasts although i think itunes is now apple podcasts it's now apple podcasts you, you can also email us you know if you have any questions you want to interact with us you want to talk to us you can email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. And by us, I mean me and my German Shepherd and my guests that are sometimes on. You know, we're a little enclave. Anyway, you can leave comments, ask questions, and maybe sometimes those questions will become topics in a later broadcast. Sometimes we'll answer them in a broadcast. I have in the past. I usually just kind of turn them into topics if you want to know the truth. If you've been listening, you know that's what I've been doing. Anyway, for almost nine years, I have been a relationship coach and a group workshop facilitator. I'm also a hypnotherapist who specializes in RTT, and I'm an executive luxury matchmaker with Select Date Society. So you can check us out at selectdatesociety.com. And all of these things are how I live into my purpose, the purpose of healing the past, loving myself unconditionally, and inspiring others to do the same using their romantic lives as a field of creativity, an inspiration, a catalyst to their highest possible self. And relationship work is my zone of genius. And the reason that I know this is because I used my romantic life as a catalyst to my highest possible self. And that's what I found out. Relationship work is my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly. And let me tell you, some of these people don't want to go. They think they want to go. People always say they want to go. Everybody says, I am ready for love. And then as soon as they're faced with it, they don't show up. So yeah, I'm taking people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly, and sometimes you gotta drag them along. If they're unhappy with their love lives or their partners, I take them to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. But most importantly of all I get to do is I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. Specifically, I teach perfectionistic people how to heal the past love themselves unconditionally, and start their love lives over from a clean slate every damn day, because that is what we do, people. You start from a clean slate every damn day. You don't let the past dictate what's in the moment, and you also don't ruminate about the future, because the future doesn't even exist. You don't even know what's gonna happen in the future. A lot of times we wanna sit and we wanna overthink it and turn it over and make all these decisions about it, have all these negative thoughts and fears and let things get in the way, but we don't know what's gonna happen. We really just don't know. And we can't judge what's gonna happen by what's happened in the past because things can turn on a dime. We're just out here flailing, out here in the world just trying to make it through. Today, our topic is signs that your heart needs healing. Signs that your heart needs healing. This is the thing about the heart needing healing. Our hearts mostly need healing, almost always need healing. On some level, there's some area, some, some part of the heart that needs some love and some nurturing. And I'll tell you how you can know that. And I'm gonna tell you why I believe that to be true. And why often we are walking around with all of our you know, different issues and not understanding that it's, it all comes down to the heart needing healing. 
right? So taking perfectionistic women from heartbroken to wholehearted is what I'm about. And a lot of times we want to blame a shitty romantic life or a job we hate or some other circumstance for why we suffer symptoms, problems, why things show up in our lives. But it really all comes back to one thing, one centering problem. And I know like, you know, when you think in medical terms, in Western medicine, they want to treat all your symptoms, give you medication for all kinds of things. They want to, you know, set you up for, for treatments for what is, is showing up in your body. And all of that stuff comes down to one single thing at the core of it all is heart healing at the core of it all. And I, and I don't necessarily mean your physical heart. I mean, your emotional paradigm, your emotional wellness heart, your metaphoric heart at the core of all of that. And the reason I say that some of you are right along with me and you understand where I'm coming from. You, you study the quantum physics, you, you, you know, listen to the neuroscientists, you listen to how the brain affects the body, how the subconscious mind and the beliefs dictate how the body reacts. We're not going to go into all the technical jargon or all the technical speak around it. But the idea here is the understanding that what I believe to be true, what is my paradigm, what I espouse to is all going to dictate what shows up in my body, in my experience, who I'm being within my experience. And if my heart is unhealed, which for most of us, there is an area of the heart that is unhealed. So it's not a pejorative. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. If your heart is not completely whole, if it's not completely healed, it's part of your journey as a human being, but it's the awareness of it that has me change what I'm experienced based on my heart not being healed. As soon as I'm aware, as soon as I know that that's what it is, that's, you know, you get to the core of the dis-ease, you get to the core of what's really going on, then you don't have to worry about the symptoms anymore because if you can heal the core dis-ease, everything else falls into place. The body is just responding to what the mind tells it, the words, the pictures, the, the thoughts, the beliefs, the things that we repeat over and over again in our heads, the stories, the disempowering stories, the conflicts, the things we ruminate, we worry about, the negative context, the fears of the future, all of that stuff, the body is just responding to all of that. And, you know, it has different ways of responding. So different people have different types of dis-ease and different problems that show up. But I wanna talk about how our problematic circumstances are not just simply problematic circumstances. They are the product of the state of our emotional well-being. Our disease is not just disease in our body. It's not just, oh, this thing showed up on me. It is a symptom of what's really at the core, which is the heart and what I believe and what my emotional wellness is saying, my emotional well-being where it is. Dare I say, in every case, I believe this to be true, which is why I became a hypnotherapist, which is why I work to heal the hearts of those that, that attract to me, those that choose to work with me. But I think sometimes we have a problem identifying what's going on with our, our heart needing to be healed. I think sometimes we think that this is just something that's just happening to me, especially once you get pretty far in your growth journey. So if you're in this growth conversation and you consider yourself to be enlightened, you've opened your mind, oh, I've healed everything, I've forgiven everyone. So whatever this thing is on my toe, it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, I still have resentment for, you know, a sibling from way back when. And you know we fail to make the, the proper connections, the connections that would actually have those symptoms go away. And if you read Louise Hay, I've mentioned her a couple of times because she talks about how you can heal your life. She does talk about the direct result of you know, physical, physically what happens in your body based on your thoughts and your beliefs. But let's start with how do I even recognize that my heart is not healed? How do, I, how do I know that whatever I'm dealing with is telling me that my heart is not healed? Well, I can tell you, almost anything you're dealing with is telling you that your heart is not healed if you are, are challenged and confronted and struggling through it. But let's identify some stuff and get specific because sometimes we convince ourselves of something and keep on moving through it. 
So I made a list. You know how I do. Y'all know that I love to make a list. I made a list of about nine things. I know that there's even more different things that people are, are experiencing out there, but these are sort of like cover all kinds of things that can blanket over a lot of different um, issues. So the first one, of course, is addictions. If you ever wonder if somebody's heart is healed or not, and they're addicted to anything, just know that it's not. <laughs> just know that it's not. Now, I myself have an addictive personality. Luckily, I never got on any hard drugs. I did have a little bout of binge drinking in college, which I wouldn't consider to be full on alcoholism because I was able to get it under control in a way that, you know, I like I don't even hardly drink now. But um, food, anger, definite addictions for me for a long time. And by addiction, I mean it's a cycle of that thing that you that you use as an immediate fix for whatever negative feelings you might be having, whatever um, painful physical feelings you might, might be having. It's a fix, it's a quick fix, that you have that momentary high. And some people get that momentary high from shopping, some people get that momentary high from you know, shooting heroin. Some people get it from drinking a lot, some people get it from you know, unleashing all their anger on people. And then you got to come down from it. So any kind of thing that you're in that kind of cycle with, where it's a cycle of this thing didn't go right, so I got to do this thing to feel better. And now that I did this thing to feel better, I'm coming down from it and I feel 10 times worse. If, that, if you experience that with anything, you know that you're addicted to it. And so if you recognize that you're addicted to it, and also too, it's not always when something didn't go right. Sometimes we use our addictions when things did go right. You know, oh, I'm celebrating this thing, so I overdo it, and then I have to come down from the high of that. And all of that has to do with my self-worth, how I feel about myself, my, um, you know, it might, might associate with anxiety about whatever it is that's going on, and I think I'm gonna soothe myself with whatever the addictive, uh, you know, the object of my addiction might be, what it all comes down to is that there is, there is a hole in my heart that I'm trying to fill, that has not been healed, that has not been faced. And I'm afraid to face it because I may not have the tools. I'm afraid to face it because all I know to do is whatever I'm addicted to. And that might've been what was modeled for me when I was growing up. So I use my addiction to, to sort of keep a wall between me and my heart healing. That's one way. Ooh, we already jumped in. We already jumped into the deep end of the pool of all the, all the ways that you can recognize whether you, you have some heart healing to do. If you are struggling with any kind of addiction, so what do you do if you're struggling with addiction and you realize I am and I have heart healing to do? Well, the first thing to do is not to hurry up and try to act like you're not an addict and go cold turkey. Because being someone who's, you know, been a food addict, a, a, a more than pack a day smoker for the longest time, you know, a, a short term struggle with alcohol. So go, trying to be willpower, willpower, go cold turkey, white knuckle through, that is not actually going to heal your heart. The first thing to do is, is you know, like they say in AA, you got to be willing to face it, become aware of it and say, okay, I know that I'm doing this. I realize that I am using this thing in order to fill this hole in my heart, in order to fill the cracks in, whatever this broken thing is that I'm feeling, whatever it is that I'm thinking. So then I got to be willing to explore that a little further. So why do I need to do that? And then it starts to get a little scary because then I start to think about, well, you know, I get anxiety or... I get sadness, I start to feel emotions, and I don't wanna feel emotions. Oh God, not emotions. No one wants to feel emotions. We're afraid of our emotions, but guess what, Buttercup? You're a human being, you're supposed to feel your emotions. That's what we're here for, we have a full gamut of them. It's like a you know rainbow array of flavors where you can be sad, you can be happy, you can be you know excited, you can be, nonplussed. You can be melancholy. You can be cheerful. I mean, there, there's a whole gamut of emotions and flavors that are there for our use, that are there for our expression. They are there for our full experience of being human. And we often are taught that we need to suppress them 
that we're not supposed to feel them. That if I'm sad, I gotta hurry up and fix it. If I'm angry, I gotta hurry up and fix it. If I, you know, I'm dealing with, with depression, I gotta hurry up and fix it. Give me something, give me a pill, give me something to fix, fix, fix this thing. So it's just that very idea right there that yes, here's emotions coming up. Now that I realize that whatever I've been feeding myself as far as an addiction is concerned, whatever I've been giving myself as far as this addiction is concerned to sort of um, placate or soothe the pain that it's, it's time for me to possibly be with the pain because the pain is gonna tell me exactly what I need to heal within my heart. The pain is gonna have all of the answers. That moment that you just let yourself cry. Let yourself feel what you feel. And you know, I recommend that if you can find a safe space of like-minded people that will allow you to do that. You know, I've, I've had so much healing around being in women's circles. I always talk about my mentor. She teaches a, a great women's circle called Be the Tree. And it's about women and their rites of passage. And I remember just so much healing happening around my relationship with my mother and so much resentment that I didn't even know I was still walking around with because I had declared myself to have forgiven and um, you know, was still trying to placate those feelings, those anxious feelings of, around that relationship with my addictions and didn't know it because I wasn't letting myself feel what I felt, whether it was annoyance, anger, sadness, uh, anxiety, like I didn't just let it move through my body so it could tell me what it, why I'm feeling it. Because your body will tell you. Your body is speaking to you. It's communicating with you. And what we often want to do is quiet it, quiet it, quiet it. So child, we just hit number one. We got, we still got eight more of these to go. So if you're dealing with any sort of addictive behavior, don't make yourself wrong about it. Just be willing to get aware of it. Admit it to yourself. Ask yourself why and let yourself look at the feelings that come up and use your journal in order to do that. Like you can journal about it. I definitely recommend talking to a therapist if you don't already. Talking to me, I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist. I recommend reaching out for support around it because it can be very scary to feel your emotions if you're someone who hasn't allowed yourself to do so. Um, but yes, addiction is a very strong sign that there very, very much needs to be heart healing. Number two, struggles with your weight, right? And I know this is a slippery slope because we are in the times of body positivity and the body positive movement. And there's nothing wrong with being body positive. I'm a big advocate, big fan. Love yourself unconditionally, unconditional love for yourself no matter what your weight. Because even if you do wanna change your weight, you can't do that if you don't love and accept it. If you want to change anything about your body, you cannot change it until you can love it and accept it. But the way that weight problems indicate that there is some heart healing that needs to be done in a number of ways. Now I say weight problems specifically. I am not casting this on to anyone. If you are whatever you weigh and it's no problem, then kudos to you. Go ahead with your bad self. Keep doing what you do. I'm talking to those of us who have been on weight roller coaster, who have had issues with their weight, who struggle with loving themselves at any size because they feel like, oh, if I'm bigger, you know, something's wrong with me. I'm talking to people who, for whom weight is a problem. And whether that's that they got the conditioning that a lot of us got that you're supposed to be skinny or the conditioning that a lot of us got that you're supposed to be big and curvy or you know everybody in the family's big and curvy that's what you're supposed to be too whatever it is that made you somewhat of an outlier or made you feel like whatever's going on with your body is problematic and that it's something to be made wrong that is a symptom of a heart healing that needs to be done there is heart healing that needs to be done because what that is it's self-flagellation it's, um, you know, I'm not good enough, that I have to be a certain thing in order to be good enough. I don't know if I'll ever be good enough because I've been so up and down. It's a product of, of you know, when you have a story of not enough or I don't feel good enough about myself. And I am not enough is a, a, a sign of a heart that needs healed. Because when we come into the world as little babies with our little, our little hearts that are 100% intact when we come into the world, 
And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking metaphorically. No matter how we come into the world, whether we're big fat babies, whether we got, you know, little birth marks on us, or, you know, there's big things where we, you know, sometimes we're born with, um, you know, just special needs or differences, any of those things. When we're born, we come into the world deserving, knowing that we deserve love, knowing that no matter what condition we come in, that we are enough. That's what we come into the world knowing. That's why we cry and cry and cry until someone helps us out, feeds us, holds us, whatever. And it takes a minute for the world to get a hold of us to then teach us in one way or another that, that something's wrong with you. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You don't look right. You know, you whatever you were born with, it wasn't the perfect idea of what we thought you were supposed to be born with. We call it a defect. Like it's the world that then says to us, you're not enough. And so that's where the heart healing needs to happen. Like when we have weight problems, it's usually because we, there's a story of not enough and someone somewhere told us something or modeled something for us that said, if you are not this, you are not worthy of all of the things that you are supposed to have. And that's a whole nother layer. So, you know, for example, if you are not a size two, you are not worthy of a great husband and a family which are what we have traditionally in our family. So that's what you're supposed to want and you can't be worthy of it unless you are this, that, or the other. So that's just one example of a paradigm somebody can have. So where, is the, where does the heart healing even begin in a situation like that? Well, just like with addictions, I gotta be able to get aware and say, okay, so this is what I was conditioned to believe and here's, here's the conflict in my mind. Constantly feeling like I gotta be enough, beating myself up because I'm not enough, or that I've gotta be a certain weight, or I've gotta be that, this, that, or the other, and hating myself for not being those things, and then being in a cycle of low self-esteem and unable to attract what it is I'm supposed to, and I'm putting that in air quotes, have, which might be, you know, be a perfect wife and have a perfect husband and a perfect family, unable to make that happen because I'm in a story of not enoughness. And so eating the pain, not taking good care of myself and keeping that cycle going. So back to what I was saying, where do I even begin? I got to recognize that that's what's going on. I got to, whatever other story I've been telling myself to squash it, and to stuff it down while I'm still going through the roller coaster, while I'm still in the weight problem, while I'm still giving myself a hard time, whatever story that I've made up so that I can pretend like it's not happening while it's still happening, I gotta face that. And whether it's that I'm pretending that I'm so body positive and putting a smile on my face and just going with that movement and I'm not, let me just make myself very clear because I'm not saying that everybody who's part of the body positive movement has issues. What I'm saying is that a lot of times people latch on to that and that makes it okay not to actually face what's going on in the heart. Why the body is responding to what's going on in the heart. That's one way. Another way is just to give up. Just to say, well, you know, I don't it doesn't matter. I'm just going to take what I can get. I'm going to settle for things that aren't good for me. And this is just the life that I'm living, right? I just give up, this is my experience. And even if I hate it, even if I'm walking around, you know, hating my body up and down, you know, dealing with what I'm dealing with, I'm just gonna live that way. Nothing wrong with choosing that, but why choose it if you don't have to, right? Because none of us has to. Ultimately, in the grand scheme of life, we are here to be human beings on this big playground that is Earth. And it's only us that make things negative. Like as human beings, we're the ones who cause all the problems, right? So do you wanna be part of the cause of your problems or do you wanna be part of the cause of your joy, your peace, your happiness? And most of us choose being the cause of our problems, which is why there's a lot of problems in the world because it then affects our communities and it affects us globally. I know I'm going off on the craziest tangent because I'm supposed to just be talking about weight problems. That's only number two. <laughs> So number two is a sign that there's some heart healing to be done. Weight problems, struggling with your weight, hating yourself, beating yourself up for it. 
Number three, obsession over past relationships or obsessing over people. Definitely a sign that there's some heart healing that needs to be done. And I'm someone who used to always obsess. And even now I, I kind of have to catch myself going into that old mindset of obsession where it's just ruminating about someone, especially if you're attracted to them. You know, there's a, a great book, I can't remember the name of the woman who wrote it called Addicted, and it's about being addicted to dick and her evolution from bad boys to dating a nice guy. Now, that's simplifying it, but you know, I'm someone who would get very obsessive about past relationships and the rumination about past relationships and what I should have done, what I could have done, how I could have done it different, or get obsessive about people. So I would hone in on someone and they had, I had to make them be what I want them to, wanted them to be. They had to be the one, they had to be the right one for me. Like, you know, however I had to mold them into my life, it had to happen, that obsession, right? What I didn't realize is that was just a product of my heart not being healed, hoping that that person could fill me up, hoping that if I could get that person, I would feel good enough. It all comes back to the not enough. It all comes back to the not enough. It all comes back to the not enough. And that's what the heart, the brokenheartedness is. That's what the half-heartedness is. This is the not enough story, right? So if I could just get this person, if I could just have them, if I could just pull them into my life, then things would be okay. I would feel whole, this anxiety would go away. And I can tell you, and I'm sure a lot of you out there could say the same, that getting the person into your life is short-lived, just like any other addiction. It's short-lived. And um, whatever other symptoms that you were experiencing before you had that person do come right back after you've had that person, even for a little while, or especially for a little while, right? So the obsession, obsession about relationships and people, definitely a sign that the heart needs healing. All right, here's one. Now we're gonna start to get into the ones where you're like, what? That means heart healing? I mean, those first few were kind of obvious. But four, fears about new relationships, careers, or moving forward. So it, it is not unreasonable to have a certain level of questioning, a certain level of you know fear around making certain choices, decisions. Am I making the right choice? To question ourselves, to say, is this gonna be right for me? Like that's, you know, that's a normal thing to wonder. But when the fear stops you, when the fear has you, you know, stuck in the same job for year after year, even though you're completely miserable, or in a relationship year after year, even though you're completely miserable, or not wanting to even start a new relationship, you know, even though you, you may not be completely miserable, but there is, you feel ready, there's a part of you, I mean, I know for myself, for a long time, not so much anymore, but for a long time during this sort of like, uh, uh, what will I call it? This celibacy of dating that I decided to take on after my abusive relationship, there was a long period in there where I just, like the idea of being in another relationship scared the crap out of me. And sure, I had great reason. We always have great reason to be fearful, because I was letting the past dictate what I would experience in the future. And so my brain was reacting to that fear of having to deal with what I dealt with in, in the past, right? And the reason that it was doing that is because my heart wasn't completely healed. Not just my heart wasn't completely healed about that person, but how I felt about myself, my ability to fill myself up and trust myself, be unconditional with myself, was not there, it wasn't in place yet. So I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust myself to pick somebody that would be good for me. I didn't trust myself to move forward and be able to attract someone that could be good for me. I didn't trust that I would be able to engage in a relationship in a healthful way because my heart needed that healing. I needed to be able to know that I was enough. I needed to know that, that whatever forgiveness needed to be done had been done. I needed to know that I had cried you know, all the tears and processed the pain, processed the emotions, and I was letting myself process the emotions. I know, you know, y'all, I know that I take you down this road of emotions so often, and I'm touting this road of emotions so often, 
but it really is like the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce to love, joy, peace, and happiness. My willingness to be self-expressed and my willingness to take responsibility for it and own it, not to have to blame anybody else for it, not to have to fight people, not to have to take it out on people, just recognize that I have emotions and I let them process. I let them inform me. I work them through. I am nurturing with them. I don't beat myself up for them. I don't make myself wrong for them. I allow them. I don't make them someone else's responsibility. This is how I grow myself up, right? But if I have these crippling fears, I know that that's, that's what I haven't been doing for myself. I haven't been allowing myself to process my emotions. I haven't been loving myself through it. I haven't been nurturing my humanness, my feelings. I've been trying to force myself to stuff it down and be a robot, move forward, suck it up, suck it up. Suck it up is the word. There's this, this viral video that goes around and it's this um, dad with his daughter. And this, this video breaks my heart every time because this dad is chastising his little toddler. She's probably like two or three years old because she didn't behave well in the store. So he brought her out in the parking lot and had her sitting outside in the parking lot. And she's crying and crying and crying, you know, just having a tantrum. Obviously she's two or three years old, so it's not over anything important as an adult. But to her, I mean, you're two or three years old, the whole world is brand new and everything's overstimulating and you're gonna have tantrums and reactions. It's age appropriate. So, and I'm not saying I'm not a parent, so I'm not, this is not a parenting conversation. I'm not saying go out there and just let your children run wild. What I'm saying is that he took her outside and, you know, he's chastising her and, you know, making her stop crying. Of course, you know, you got to stop crying because if you're crying, you must stop. Which that's the first way that I think parents fuck us all up. The moment you, you, you know, your kid starts crying and I know it's annoying. I'm not, like I said, I'm not judging you as a parent. I know that it can be very annoying when kids act out, you know, I, like I get all of that. And I know it can probably be very frustrating. I can only imagine without knowing firsthand that if you're with a, a kid day in, day out, of course, you're going to lose your temper. Of course, you're going to, you know, not always be a hundred percent stellar parent because this is not what this conversation about is about. But when kids are being age appropriate emotionally and what parents do is they want to immediately shut it down, cut it off, mistrust them, you know, act like they're crying to manipulate or they're crying for whatever reason. And I'm not saying they never do, but for the most part, you know, like a two or three year old tantrum is, is about emotion and not knowing what to do with it. And yes, wanting something and not knowing what else to do but to cry because they don't, they haven't been on the earth long enough to have fully formed emotions and communication. <laughs> and you can't teach them that at that age. Like you can, you can teach them how to let it out and process it and calm them. And you know, that's the beginnings of teaching that, right? It's, they have to grow a little bit so that cognitively they can then understand, no, you don't just scream out because you don't have what you want, but that you gotta allow them to be age appropriate first. And so, yeah, he's telling his daughter, suck it up. Stop crying because, you know, whatever, you're, you're not going back in the store until you get it together. That's not the way to act in a store. Because, okay, the way to act in a store when you're two or three years old, first of all, who gives a shit about everybody who's judging you? Parents out there, if people are looking at you funny because your kid is crying, fuck them. I mean, stop worrying about what other people think about you when your kid is, is emotional, right? And if you're the one who's annoyed about it, then just be with that you're annoyed about it. Be with your own emotions. Show your kid how to deal with your annoyances, your anger, your sadness by being with your own instead of taking them out on your kid and trying to force your kid to act a certain way or force your kid to suck it up. They don't know, like you make them suck it up and what they learn is I can't express my emotions, that I gotta stuff it down somehow. And as they get older and older and their, their stress and their responsibilities and the things that they're fearful of become bigger and bigger, then that's when I start needing external things to help me out. So whether it's that I'm eating cake, I'm shooting heroin, I'm drinking drinks, whatever it might be, as I get older as an adult, if you made me stuff down those emotions when I was a little kid, rather than just express them and feel them and fuck what other people's judgments were, 
then what I learned as an adult is that emotions have to be stifled. They have to be stuffed. They have to be sucked up. And so then my body responds by making me sick, giving me a disease. My body responds by being in a stressed out state, cortisol in my stomach and, and you know all kinds of fat deposits and dangerous things from my heart. My body responds with cancer, cells that actually eat away at the healthy cells in my body. Do you get how important it is, y'all, to be expressing your emotions? How important it is to not have a mentality of suck it up? So if your parents taught you to suck it up, stop crying, get over it. I had a woman tell me a couple years ago, she's like, I always tell my daughter, she had a young adult daughter, I always tell her, stop crying because you'll make mommy cry. And I said to her, I was like, that's ridiculous. Not that it, I mean, as a mother, I get it. You get sad if your child is sad. It makes you feel sad. You feel empathy for your child. But to tell your child, don't feel your emotions because it's gonna make me feel emotions. And I know she didn't mean it in a, in a you know, negative way, but that's basically what you're teaching. When you say, don't cry because you'll make me cry, or you know, stop feeling that way. Like, like, let people feel what they feel. Let your children especially feel what they feel, but let the people in your lives feel what you feel. And the way to start being able to do that is to let yourself feel what you feel. Because <laughs> that's what will heal your heart. That's how you won't have to walk around so fearful all the time because you will have expressed those emotions and you can trust yourself to love and nurture yourself through any pain so that you can stand on a foundation of knowing that you've been through the gauntlet and you are okay, that you will be okay if you cry those tears. You don't have to hurry up and medicate every bit of emotional discomfort. Right? And I and I'm not this is not to knock people who've been through years of depression. I myself went through years of bouts of depression and anxiety. And so I'm not belittling that or devaluing that. What I'm saying is that that had everything to do with my unwillingness to actually feel the underlying emotions, to actually process the underlying emotions. And so that's the invitation. Like, you know, that's where the healing lies. Even the German Shepherd agrees. I don't know if you can hear him growling in the background. Actually, he's growling at people in the hallway. So that's number four. <laughs> this hour is going by so fast and we've only gotten through four of nine. Number five, and I get a lot of clients that come to me with this and I've helped a lot of clients with this through hypnotherapy, but fertility issues. So if you are someone who wants to have children, I had my own fertility issues and it wasn't the getting pregnant, it was the actual carrying to term. And um, you know, through study and research and the work that I do and the work I do with others and you know, working with other therapists and hypnotherapists and you know, other experts, I learned that the reason that I couldn't carry the term, yes, there was the biological science, scientific things that were going on in my body that no doctors even, uh, you know, they do the chromosome tests and everything like that. No one could figure out why I couldn't carry the term. And you know, what I learned about it just by allowing myself to listen to my body about what was happening, the pain that would come up, the thoughts that I was thinking, the fears that would come up, and I was in a, an abusive relationship at the time, the fears about being tied to this person, having a baby with this person, you know, what I was telling myself about motherhood, what the responsibility would mean if it really was something that was for me. And granted, I was a little bit older because I was already in my 40s, you know, attempting to get pregnant, but I was fertile. So it, it wasn't a, a actual fer fertility issue in the sense that I couldn't fertilize or couldn't, you know, uh, produce a zygote. I think I'm using the right word for that. Um, you know, obviously with my partner, but, and then I have other, I have clients who where even actually uh, having the process of fertilization and having the process of, of having a pregnancy is the issue as well. So there's always a set of subconscious beliefs and those subconscious beliefs are an unhealed trauma. So whatever I believe about parenting, whatever I, I believe about my ability to physically have a child, whatever I believe about my partner, um, you know, or what our relationship dynamic is, all those beliefs, all those subconscious beliefs, those things I'm telling myself will affect my ability to be fertile. 
whatever I believe about the future and my capabilities as a parent. That's not to say you can't ever be afraid or fearful. I'm pretty sure that if you talk to almost anybody who's carried a child to full term, and that's a lot of people, they will tell you that fears came up because they do. But when they're so strong and when your subconscious beliefs are so strong and they're in conflict with the desire to have a child, you will have fertility issues. And they come from an, a, a story, a feeling of not enoughness, whatever your subconscious story is, an unhealed heart. Whatever traumas you might've gone through, an unhealed heart. And when the heart is healed, the subconscious can let go of the unworkable beliefs and the body will respond. I guarantee, I guarantee. So yes, if you're dealing with fertility issues, look at the heart healing. Look at what's going on with your heart, your subconscious beliefs, the digging deep. That's something you can definitely get with me about because I love helping people around that. Number six is body pain and sickness. So, you know, if you're someone who's chronically ill, I have a lot of people I know that have IBS. All of a sudden, IBS is a thing that everybody's got and, and leading into Crohn's disease. A lot of people have Crohn's disease. It's all that digestive stuff and that all has to do with the digesting of life, how I process life. And if you were willing to sit down with a journal and um, journal about wherever your body pain is. I have a very good friend who has rheumatoid arthritis. If you're willing to journal about wherever your body pain is, and actually with rheumatoid arthritis, sometimes it's hard to hold a pen and write. So even if you wanna do it as a, a, a audio journal, you know, like a voice memo, if you're someone who has pain in your joints, pain in your hands, your knees, your feet, in your body, in your back. I used to have a lot of problems in my lower back and those were definitely, and I had sciatica for a while. And the sciatica, I mean, it's a pain in the butt. So, so clearly in my mind, in my subconscious, I, I, there were things in my life that I was considering to be a pain in the butt. And it just so happened the worst of my sciatica was when I was dealing with my parents going into assisted living and you know dealing with my sisters around all of that and you know us trying to figure out how to navigate that not always knowing the best way to navigate that and not knowing how to um you know really do it in a peaceful way and just a lot of trying to figure all of that out all of us being in different pages about it and then the actual act of having to put them there and i was going through the worst sciatic pain and lower back pain of my entire life previous to that i had lower back pain when my grandmother passed away you know when the body pains and the sicknesses start to show up you know we want to just be willing to say okay so what where is this belief and this is where louise hay is really great if you can get that book you can heal your life she actually puts a whole list of all the body ailments, of a lot of body ailments, and where they, they come from, what thoughts and beliefs give rise to these ailments. Because the subconscious is saying, you know, like I said, uh, you know, in my subconscious, this is a pain in the ass, this is a pain in the ass. Having to deal with this, having to think about this, having to wonder about this, especially when I'm going through my own stuff in my own life, you know, this, what's happening with my parents and my resentment towards them, you know, feeling like, and it's childish, like I know now from the healing, but, my resentment towards them because why didn't they take better care of themselves and why are we now you know this is not fair it's like it's baby stuff right like baby reactions like i shouldn't have to do this i shouldn't have to deal with this wah, wah, wah. either way whatever it is it's you know it was my subconscious beliefs that kept saying it's a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass and the, the sciatic pain when i tell you it was debilitating <laughs> and you can't sit on it because that's the worst right and you 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 want to lay down and you can't move around and I'm somebody who likes to do yoga and I say all of that to say, pay attention to those body pains and sicknesses because they're telling you something. They are a symptom of heart healing that needs to be done. And I had a lot of heart healing that needed to be done around the transition of my parents from their own house to their assisted living facility. I had a lot of heart healing to be done around what I thought about them and the judgments I was making about them heart healing to be done around my sisters and you know judgments I was making around them. I had to do that heart healing in order to have the pain released from my body because it was those thoughts, those, that paradigm, that insistence that I knew and it was, it was uh, something that was, was a negative for me. That's how it showed up in my body as stress, right? Stress that went straight to my ass. 
And so that, you know, and, and oftentimes with joints, it has to do with mobility, moving, moving forward, moving backward, moving wherever you need to move, having flexibility, right? Where am I being inflexible? Where am I afraid to move forward? What am I resisting? What am I up against? I had a client uh, uh, who also had rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, we went back in her uh, hypnosis and found in her past a lot of being controlled, having a very controlling, controlling mother, painfully controlled, always told what she had to do. And then the rheumatoid arthritis came onto her young, probably around her teenage years. And a lot of that was in protest. It was in protest of all the control. And what the rheumatoid arthritis did is it caused pain and issues in her body that then needed to be nurtured and loved. It required her mother to be kinder, to be sweeter, to be less pushy and controlling, less forceful, to stop making her do things. So the mind is very, very smart in that it just wants us to survive those things that we don't want. It just wants to get us through it. And so that's what her mind did. That's what her mind did. It caused the body to then have rheumatoid arthritis. And so without that healing, it, it went well into her adulthood. And into her adulthood, anyone who knows anything about autoimmune diseases, a lot of times they just get continually worse, right? And it's not always the exact same thing. If you're someone out there who's got body pain and sickness or IBS, digestive issues are very indicative of like my worries about the future, my worries about the past, my ruminating around what I did wrong. You know, I, I'm not good enough for this. I didn't do that right. I'm beating myself up about something. I can't let this thing happen because I gotta control it. And if I'm not in control of it, it's gonna go wrong. So then I'm worried about it, I'm stressed about it. And then my stomach starts to say And then it affects my colon, everything. My entire digestive system gets affected. So, yeah, it's all a sign of the heart that needs healing. Number seven is depression and anxiety. Depression and anxiety for me are just such mile markers for the conflicts that go on between the subconscious and the conscious, right? So consciously, I want to be successful. Consciously, I want to have a great family. I want to be uh, you know, great at what I do. I want to be a great mother. I want to have healthy relationships. Consciously, you ask me, you ask anybody, you know, what it is they want, they will tell you all the things they want, or they'll tell you all the things they don't want. <clears throat> but they can say, you know, what, what it is. And then there's the subconscious that says, but you can't do that. You're not good enough for that. Your parents didn't have that or your parent told you that you couldn't have that, or someone in your life told you that you couldn't have that, you're not as special as that person is, you're not like the people on social media, you can't, you've got imposter syndrome, you don't really have those skills, you're not that smart, you're not where you should be, and then what happens? The body responds with depression and anxiety. The body starts to say, oh, I want this thing, but I can't have it, womp, the body starts to say, oh, I wish this thing would happen, but it's never gonna happen. I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm you know, what's gonna happen, I'm, I'm fearful. That's how the body responds to major conflict between the subconscious and the conscious mind. And that subconscious mind has all these unhealed beliefs, no emotional wellness, no understanding that, you know, it's all okay, I am enough. It's all gonna be all right. Everything is perfect. Nothing is wrong here. I can be self-expressed. I'm as valuable as anybody else. The subconscious doesn't have those beliefs yet. The good news is that the subconscious can develop those beliefs, which I'm gonna tell you about in a second. The next thing is grandiosity, which I know sounds counterintuitive. Like, oh, there's no way that someone who, who is grandiose deep down needs their heart to be healed. Well, it's actually a perfect sign. It's like that, it's the sign of narcissism, right? That grandiosity. Not that every narcissist is extroverted because some nar narcissists are very covert and they're very quiet and they're just as abusive as people who are very grandiose. But it's, you know, when you think about the story of Narcissus and the looking in the pool and seeing his own reflection, dying from his own, like falling in love with his own reflection, it's that outer image that is bigger than life, 
that my outer image has to be so perfect and wonderful. I can't make a mistake or a misstep. The outer image is just gorgeous. It's over the top grandiose. And sometimes that's not necessarily that you're walking around dressed like Nicki Minaj, but sometimes it's just, I know I'm great. I know I'm fantastic. And I'm saying this while I'm still, you know, struggling with my body. I'm still, you know, crying myself to sleep at night and eating pints of ice cream to try to quell it. Or I'm still using whatever addictive thing that I use. But I have this face that I put on where I pretend like I know I'm great. I know I'm fantastic. And here's the thing about that. That's not to take it away from anybody because I do want people to affirm their greatness. But understanding that you are enough, knowing you are enough at a core level, at a subconscious level, compared to putting on an image of greatness in front of people as a show, as a picture, as a to convince people are two very distinct things. One of them, the knowing you're enough, being able to fill yourself up and be confident in that, that you are valuable is healthy. It means that your, your, you know, your heart is healing. Grandiosity, on the other hand, is a sign that your heart needs healing. You're showing everybody that I need your approval. I need you to see how great I am. I need you because I'm going to shout it from the rooftops and I'm going to do whatever I need to to be that show. Now, it's hard to recognize who's actually doing that because it's something you have to recognize for yourself. Only you know if you're in a moment of grandiosity. There are some very grand people out there who are amazing and beautiful and you know they look wonderful on the outside and that's just who they are. And that might be who they are at home as well. Like we don't we can't judge that in another person. I mean, sometimes you you can, but you know, ultimately we really don't know what someone's going on in their what's going on in someone's private life. So this is something to recognize for yourself. Am I someone who lives in grandiosity? I know I'm someone who used to be so good at putting up a facade of being fantastic and fabulous when on the inside I just was like, I am not good enough for anything. I am not worthy. I am not valuable. And that's something that I had to transform through healing my heart, knowing that I was valuable. So I don't have to be so grandiose. I mean, some people might look at me and think, oh, you're still grandiose, honey. You're still a big mouth. But that's just who I am. That's just, you know, I don't, I don't need to do that for anybody else's validation. I just express who I am. I say what's on my mind and I say it like I like it. But there was a time where it was a show. I was in an entertainer and it was about da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Look at me, look at me now. Whereas now it's, it's like I'm expressing myself to say, you know what, I have a contribution, it's valuable, and if you want it, take it. If you don't want it, that's okay too. I'll need you to love me, because I love myself. And that's just the difference. That's why you can't judge it in someone else, you gotta judge it for yourself. Is grandiosity showing up? Do I really love myself? Do I need some heart healing? And the last one, which I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, if you, and this is for my ladies in particular, but I'm sure that it applies the same for men with your same-sex parents. So the mother-daughter, mother-daughter conflict, and mother-father, I mean daughter-father, but mother-daughter conflict in particular can be, especially if it's ongoing, consistent, and over years, which I myself had it ongoing, consistent, and over years, can be a really true sign that your heart needs to be healed. If you are barely tolerating, if you have to manage, if you are tiptoeing around, if you find yourself having to constantly um, go no contact, if you are in a place where it's, a, it's just a, a white knuckling management situation to deal with your mother, there is some heart healing that needs to be done and you are not wrong for it, but we wanna be able to recognize that the heart healing needs to be done. I gotta be able to ask myself, why does she have this power in my life? And who is responsible for transforming that? Because she can't. I can tell you right now, if you're waiting for your mama to transform the power she has in your life, she can't do it. She don't have the tools. She don't know how to do it. If she knew how to do it, she would have done it years ago. She would have given you your right of passage as a woman. 
You would be off on your own, understanding yourself, knowing yourself, and not needing her approval, not needing for her to be anything else but who she is, not needing for her to be any better than what she is, not expecting to have been born in a Norman Rockwell painting. You would, would have let it all go. You wouldn't need anything else from her except for exactly who she is, as she is. And you could be fully accepting of it if your heart is healed. It's not a moral issue. It doesn't mean you're a bad daughter that you, that you can't fully accept her or that you have to manage her or that you have to manage yourself around her. It doesn't make you a bad daughter. It makes you a wonderful daughter that you even care enough to try. But you'll know your heart is healed when you can say to yourself, she's, she, she's perfect, 100% perfect exactly as she is. And I'm 100% perfect exactly as I am. And although I am her daughter and there's some similarities, I have the choice to break, break the cycle of abuse. I have the choice to break the cycle of conflict of a lack of self-love, of over-criticism, of a negative inner voice. I, I can do that, I can make that choice. Or I could keep talking about how she's not good enough and making her not good enough and all the things that are wrong with her and how we have to manage around her and what we need to do or what I need to do even to be with her and basically slowly become her and the cycle continues. Because whether I, I, I think I can or not, if I still have negative feelings towards my mother or if I still have judgments about my mother and then I choose to have children, trust me when I say those things will translate. And maybe not in a direct way, but I just know from my own relationship with my mother and my grandmother and what that looked like and how that, that played itself out. If the cycle is not broken, meaning that the healing is done and I can accept my mother for all of her faults and all of her weaknesses 100%. That doesn't mean I let her abuse me if she's abusive. That doesn't mean I let her beat up on me, but I don't need to judge her anymore. I don't need to have her behavior dictate my behavior. I can actually create my own rite of passage that is a loving rite of passage and you can love somebody from very far away. That's the key. That's how I know that I need heart healing when I'm still under the, the influence of how I feel about my mother. The heart needs to be healed. And it's not wrong, honey bunny. It's not a bad thing. This is good to know. And any other ones that you think of, please, please hit me up and let me know what are some other things you think might indicate the need for the heart to be healed. Right? Because as soon as you know what's indicating, oh, my heart, I need some heart healing. I need some emotion expressing. I need to process some stuff and allow it to move through me. I need to let that shit out, right? I ate something, I need to digest it, and I need to get rid of the waste. But I can't do that if I'm stopping it up, if I'm trying to prevent myself from processing it through. Oh Lord, this hour goes so fast. I love you ladies so much and gentlemen. I know the gentlemen are listening as well. The last two shows I did were for the gentlemen, so y'all better be listening because it applies to you as well. You know, I know that I speak mainly to women and I don't mean to be binary because I'm including everybody. However you want to identify yourself, I could care less. I love you anyway. So wherever you feel like you fit in there, get in where you fit in. And that's it, my sweet loves. Those are nine things, nine indicators that your heart needs healing. And that is what I do as a coach. I help you heal the past, love yourself unconditionally, start over from a clean slate as a coach and a hypnotherapist. If you want to talk about it, you got to get at me. You got to um, email me. You can, uh, if you're not on my newsletter, you should email me, Candice at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, Candice at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, or AskForCandyPodcast at gmail.com, and let me know you want to get on the newsletter. That way you can get my link to um, get a complimentary consultation and just do a, a package of hypnotherapy sessions. It's usually about three of them. And um, yeah, we get to do all of this heart healing. We get to experience our enoughness. All right, my sweethearts, that's it. My book, I'm Not Mad But She's Still Crazy, which is about the paradigm of getting over my relationship with my mother and getting into that understanding that my belief that she's still crazy is part of what stopped my healing it's coming. It's coming. I know I say that every week, but one of these weeks very soon, I'm going to be like, it's here. Also, if you're looking for matchmaking and a little bit of support with your, your dating life, go to selectdatesociety.com, sign up into our network, our database, tell them Candace sent you. And my store, Curvy Brown Yogi, 
If you want to check it out, I still have Epic Woman mugs on the store. I don't know if the t-shirts are available now. I haven't really been keeping up with the store very well, but I know that the mugs are. Epic stands for Enough Peaceful, Illuminated, and Courageous. Get yourself a mug. And that's it. You can follow me at Instagram at Ask for Candy Podcast or at Candy Love Coach. And that's it. I love y'all so much. I can't wait until next week. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. I love you. Bye now.